Ladies and gentlemen, do welcome to the next episode of my Safe Bet Show. And I have the great privilege and at the same time pleasure, because we've known each other, for some time to welcome Mr. Christopher A. Baird, the director of the Louisiana Attorney General Office's Gaming Division, to this episode. Hello, Chris. How are you doing today? Good morning, Martin. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great as well. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time. And let me kick it off in a rather unorthodox way, because Chris and I do share a moment of madness, rather a moment of madness at my end. It was at the 2021 SBC Player Protection Symposium. Now, prior to that, our paths had crossed rather fleetingly, but Chris kindly took part in a panel that I moderated. Long story short, we happened to have been in Jay-Z's 4040 club, so Mr. Lechka here had the dubiously genius, if not a rather idiotic idea, to introduce the panelists by, yes, you guessed it, rapping. I did, in my defense, I did give Chris and the other panelists a heads up that I would be doing just that, but I could still see this belief on their faces when I launched into it. So, Chris, how did you feel at that point? What were your immediate thoughts? Well, Martin, let's let's go with genius. It was genius. Um, I will say this, um, you know, when you told us as panelists when we were having our pre-panel uh, meetings that you were going to do that, I personally thought that you were joking. Uh, so it was quite the surprise uh, when you started uh, spitting bars, as the kids say. Um, but I, I will say this, uh, Martin, first of all, I loved it. Um, and having served on several panels with you now and, and having seen you as an audience member uh, for other uh, panels, you have the uncanny ability to disarm people. Um, we talk about some very serious topics uh, as it relates to the gaming world, um, but I have seen you work your magic several times now where you can take an audience of two or 300 and make them feel like you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them. And so I think it's truly a gift. And don't stop doing that because it was I, I loved it. And I, and I love it every time I see you speak. Um, you just have a way of, of speaking um, that, you know, calms people and, and you can really get into what you're saying. So and I mean that. So don't stop doing that, my friend. Thank you very much, Chris. Uh, as you can see, Chris is a true gentleman, and to return the compliment, he's a great speaker in his own right. But yes, we tend to handle very serious issues. So on a much more <coughs> serious note, let me move on to my next question. You served as an attorney, assistant attorney general for 17 years, a long, long time, and you take, you took the proverbial leap of faith into gambling. So, no, when, during those 17 years, what kind of changes has gambling in Louisiana gone through and what have you learned from all this? Sure. We have, um, you know, gone from brick and mortar casinos and video poker being our, really our main two breadwinners, if you will, uh, in, in gambling to now this influx of, you know, with new technology, um, sports wagering and, and more particularly mobile sports wagering, which is the, the proverbial monster 
uh, in the room. Over those 17 years, I think from a regulatory perspective, um, we have had to adapt. We've had to change uh, the way we think about our roles. Um, and I mean this as no slight to prior uh, directors. Uh, when I took over seven or eight years ago, we were re we really kind of looked at ourselves as I guess an extension of our state police, if you will, much more of a police style of of regulation, uh, which quite frankly does not work, uh, and I do not think that it is the best way to regulate uh, because it hinders our operators, if you will. I think there's a true balance that we have to have between. Um, making sure that, that gaming is free of criminal and corrupt elements, while also uh, regulating in a way which allows our operators to make money. Um, because in turn, uh, look, gambling in Louisiana or gaming uh, has overtaken what has traditionally been the breadwinner in Louisiana, which is our oil and gas industry. Uh, and so if we have, we have a legitimate industry and I feel like we need to treat it as such. And so we have started to do things that we didn't quite frankly do in the past, uh, going to conferences, um, you know, engaging more with our, with our operators uh, and things that, that create a true partnership, if you will. So let's talk about sports betting, just for context for arguably those few out there who might not have heard the Louisiana story. Sports betting launched in 55 out of the 64 parishes right. of Louisiana at the beginning of 2022. Because it followed a positive referendum, so the good folk of Louisiana voted in favor of sports betting regulation and then the ensuing regulatory process. First, first off, rather, if you don't mind me asking, could you explain what's the story about the parishes, which seems to be a bit of a quirk, and in particular the fact that Sports betting is not available in all the 64, but, well, still a big number, 55 of the Louisiana parishes. Sure. Uh, look, long story short, um, because of our French heritage in Louisiana, we don't have counties. Um, parishes are no more than uh, what counties are in, in every other state in our union. We just like to do things a little differently in Louisiana, and we have parishes instead of counties. Um, our constitution in Louisiana um, requires that any new form of gaming, which sports wagering was, uh, be both passed by our legislature and then voted on by each one of our parishes. And so any parish that voted it in was allowed to have it. Each parish that voted it out was not. Uh, it, was, it was that simple. With regard to having to regulate um, it made things a little bit different, uh, difficult for us um, in that in every other uh, state that's passed sports wagering, it was either we're going to have it in this state or we're not. OK, those things gave us some unique challenges with regard to things such as geofencing, uh, which was probably the most difficult part of this. We're like, oh, man, how are we going to geofence in and out of uh, these parishes? Luckily, we were able to work with our Department of Transportation uh, to provide maps uh, for us and work well with GeoComply to provide the geofencing. And we were able to, uh, to get through that uh, somehow, <laughs> but we, we were able to do it. Well done. Hats off. Do 
skip ahead that makes my job easier regarding your french heritage peut-être la prochaine fois l'on peut faire c'est pour casser en français if that's what you like to do but i shall digress and go back to the next question so you've already talked about your regulators perspective but as a proud citizen of the great pelican state where do yes. you stand on sports betting right now well I, I can tell you it has brought a level of excitement um to louisiana uh unlike anything i've seen uh quite frankly um and i, I feel like we've we've been very successful as a state save the the millions of dollars that the infamous mattress mac uh won from our operators here uh betting on his houston astros to win the world series which of course they did and as an interesting side note uh we just launched or we just opened a new casino um in Lake Charles, Louisiana, a horseshoe, which was formerly a riverboat casino, Isla Capri, they're now landside. Mattress Mac just came over and bet $1 million on the Houston uh, Cougars basketball team to win the NCAA tournament. Uh, so that was quite exciting as well. But um, Louisiana, look, I'm an avid sports fan myself, and I can tell you when I'm sitting, uh, you know, at, at my local sports bar and watching uh, games with my buddies, I am literally the only person that is not, you know, on my phone with a, uh, you know, doing a crazy 10-leg parlay bet on, on games that day. Uh, and it's also interesting that my friends, because I regulate gaming, always think I have some tip that I'm hiding from them about who's going to win. Um, but by and large, uh, it has been a very successful uh, undertaking in Louisiana. Our legislators are, are who, you know, were very skeptical skeptical of sports wagering a few years back, you know, I think because of COVID, um, you know, that changed some of the attitudes as they were looking for revenue streams. Um, but it's been a very exciting time uh, for Louisiana. And as a citizen, I'm excited to have, actually have it here. Well, I'd like to thank that the famous so depending on the eye of the beholder infamous mattress mac can't be that popular in the city of philadelphia these days either we shall wish him the best of luck you are and you have been the man in louisiana when it comes to responsible gambling because you've created the problem gambling resource service program there crucially and critically in partnership with the state's department of health you even happened to be starring in a video series about what you guys been up to in Louisiana. Again, on a serious note, for years and years, you've also been affiliated with the National Council on Problem Gambling, and I have the utmost honor to serve under your leadership on the Council's advisory board. So with that wealth of knowledge, that wealth of knowledge you have accumulated, in this space, what's your take on the current state of responsible gambling affairs in the United States? Um, you know, I think it's it's great to see a renewed focus uh, on responsible gambling gambling in in the United States, especially as technology provides so much access now to gambling. Um, I think it's important, however, and this is my regulator had again, um, that we pay attention to the how. How are the efforts of stakeholders uh, in the gambling industry actually going to play out? It's a good thing um, to have uh, different 
industry stakeholders put out, um, you know, different messages. But when there's money allocated, we have to make sure that that money is going where we say it's going. We have to also ensure that the programs uh, that are utilizing this money are actually working. So I think we have to follow the data, uh, if you will, um, to ensure that we are utilizing any funding in the best way um, possible. Um, one of the big reasons that I started, and, and interestingly enough, the Problem Gambling Resource Services Program was started because of a challenge from my boss, Attorney General Jeff Landry, uh, who said, hey, you guys, and, and this was a challenge to all of our directors, go out and do, I want you to do something that's passionate to you. At the time, we knew sports wagering was a win, not an if. Uh, and so I want to start a program to educate our citizens about the free services uh, that we have here in, in Louisiana. And I must thank Janet Miller, uh, with our Louisiana Association of Compulsive Gambling, uh, who guided me through. I also have to give a big thanks to not only Suzanne Bourgeois, who is our program manager here in my office, but also to our Department of Health, who saw the vision that we had um, to actually help them out uh, and put the funding behind um, the program. Uh, we have uh, 28-bed facility here in Louisiana that an individual who has a problem gambling an issue can go to totally free. Um, we do not take a penny of their money uh, and their families can get help uh, as well. So I'm, I'm very excited about what we can do, if you will, when it comes to responsible uh, gambling. And I'm excited about the fact that we have these partnerships that are forming because I'm a huge advocate of regulators uh, not just staying in our lane, if you will, um, but we we have to be aware of what's going on, uh, what our stakeholders need, and to be able to partner with them in those those needs. Talking about the how, now the likes of New Jersey, Colorado, they've lately, a few others, Ohio, Massachusetts, they've gone down or going down the route of inviting and incentivizing their licensed operators to leverage their technology for responsible gambling purposes. So is this something that's been considered in Louisiana to the extent you're allowed to tell me in the audience of this podcast? Um, I can tell you that we have not uh, started down the path of incentivizing our, our through grants for our local governments, uh, government agencies and nonprofits. I think in Louisiana, our, I guess, focus has been more on ensuring that at this point anyway, um, that we as regulators are taking these things seriously. Um, for instance, you know, making sure that RG was a huge part of our rules um, when it came to uh, implementing our, our sports wagering by building in um, restrictions, if you will, um, for our self-restrictions for our, our gamblers who may have seen that they had an issue and ensuring that our operators were doing what they taking this seriously and doing what they were supposed to do. As far as incentives, I don't know that we uh, have the need for that at this juncture, particularly with some of the conversations that are starting to be had. I think our operators realize that our regulators, uh, our legislatures, and even the federal government at this point 
are looking at this issue very seriously. And uh, I don't know that operators are in favor of having the federal government involved. And so they are, at least what from what I have seen in our state, taking this very seriously. We have even had operators reach out to us to ask if they could partner with us on some of our initiatives, some of our incentives. We have had operators uh, offer to advertise some of our problem gambling resource services um, advertising on their websites. Uh, and so I don't know that incentivizing at this point is the answer in Louisiana, um, but it may very well come to the point that it is. Again, we need to follow the data um, you know, after a certain period and see what it's telling us about uh, whether our efforts are enough. And we shall definitely all be better for it. So last time Chris and I saw one another and Flash was a couple of weeks ago. It was in Las Vegas at the Nickel G's conference. And we engaged in a discussion about the upcoming Nickel G's responsible gambling resolution. There's also the 12th principle pledge that a leading group of operators put out there. But the reason I'm, and I'm really looking for a segue into the next topic, that's the reason I'm bringing up Nickel G's, because... Uh, Chris happened to have been invited for a very good reason to be on the panel about the black market and he is one of the biggest and arguably even the most passionate advocates of the necessity to fight illegal gambling in this country, be it illegal machines or black market gambling summits. So let me put this question to you. What in your view is the most efficient way of battling the rather annoying and totally illegal black market? Well, I, I think it has to be a, a I guess, a two-prong approach. I think as a, a state, we have to get more serious about fighting these things. Um, in Louisiana, we don't have uh, necessarily the issue of, although I'm aware from speaking to my colleagues that it's a huge problem in other states, we don't necessarily have the issue with the, or as big an issue with the black market or gray market machines uh, in Louisiana. However, we do have, as every state in the United States does, a huge problem with the illegal sports wagering market. Uh, and so this is a, a a very tough topic to, or a tough issue to fight, um, because I think it's going to require both, again, our states being more serious, more resources being being thrown at the issue on the state level. Um, I can tell you, our state police are busy enough, uh, and the manpower is busy dealing with issues that are related to legal gaming. You know, and they're stretched in doing those things. Our legislature is going to have, have to allocate more resources um, for more manpower um, to deal with the issue on the state level. However, when it comes to the black market issue, I really do think that this is where we're going to need help from our federal government. Look, we get calls where someone may say, my online wagering account has been drained or my bank account uh, has been drained. And all we can tell them is, look, you were gambling illegally and there's nothing from a you know state regulator, regulator's perspective that we can do um, to help you. 
you know, and, and that's frustrating for me as a state regulator to have to tell someone that. Um, I feel like the federal government, uh, you know, is who has a broader reach, has more resources, is going to have to get involved when it comes to this issue uh, to combat those illegal operations. I don't see any way around it, Martin. And I'm starting to hear that echoed around the country. And I cannot agree more because clearly this is a federal issue, no matter how controversial a statement this may be in light of the fact that the states, and yet again for a good reason, have been fighting a very ferocious battle to be allowed ultimately by the Supreme Court of this country to regulate internet gaming and sports betting. Talking about internet gaming or if you will, online casino and online poker, besides, fingers crossed, being the year of responsible gambling, 2023 is definitely shaping up to be a year of iGaming. Indiana and the state of New York, well, without a shadow of doubt, have thrown their hats into the iGaming ring. Now, a few others might try to test the waters as well. In your view, Chris, which of these states or a state, has the best chance of getting iGaming regulation across the line next year, and what may happen after that? I can tell you, Martin, in, in Louisiana, it's hard for me to give an opinion on that because iGaming in, in, in Louisiana has not been um, at the forefront, if you will. Um, with regard to our state, the, the last couple of years is have seen the largest expansion of gaming since the 90s uh, with the passing of fantasy sports and then uh, sports wagering. There is definitely, I guess, a more welcoming trend among legislators here and our citizens. Uh, it, we've definitely been getting the questions, you know, what do you guys think about iGaming? Um, I think that based on what we have seen, and again, going back to our parishes, uh, and in that most of them uh, have been, have looked upon fantasy sports and sports wagering favorably, that there's a possibility that, you know, we could see iGaming very soon, uh, even in, in Louisiana. Now, of course, there's always the argument that iGaming could perhaps hurt our brick and mortar uh, casinos. Uh, who pay a higher tax rate than most online gaming sites would. Um, but I think if there's any hope for it to pass, uh, the licensing would have to be tied to casino licenses like our sports wagering is now. Uh, I think that is the best bet for uh, iGaming coming to our state. I haven't um, necessarily followed uh, what's been going on in others um, just because we're so busy dealing with um, sports wagering in the aftermath but i mean look we have conferences named after iGaming now you know iGaming next you know <laughs> so uh again just as i thought about sports wagering it's a win it's not an if it's coming uh and i can see i think there's an appetite for it now in our state well, ladies and gentlemen you've heard it here first far from me to be put in crest on the spot, but there is a chance in Louisiana, and that's what uh, we're so grateful to be hearing. Perhaps sticking for a bit to, to this theme with your responsible gambling hat on, and you've already demonstrated your true and great expertise in, in that field. One final question on the iGaming topic. Now, lots of folks out there that would argue that online casino, online poker are 
more prone to creating a risk of gambling addiction. So I'll give you my personal take that I suppose you would have heard before. In some instances, yes, that may be the case. At the same time, I may be biased, but the industry has worked really hard to address these challenges, having introduced iGaming or tools that specifically responsible gambling tools that specifically relate to iGaming. So that long story short, where would you stand on that argument that iGaming is potentially a higher risk from the gambling addiction perspective? I mean, sure. It it has the potential, yes, but um, my I guess my response with that for that would be, isn't this the same argument we heard regarding fantasy sports when it came on? Isn't it the same argument we heard regarding sports wagering? Um, is there going to be the potential for it? Yes, I think what is going to be determinate is the response uh, again from the industry uh, and. I am encouraged, certainly encouraged, from what I am seeing from the the operators, uh, as well as akin from legislators who need to, I, I'm going to say, um, educate themselves um, a little bit better. I would love to see Nickel G's have an increased, I guess, presence of actual legislators there. Um, I certainly would put that challenge out to legislators in my state to educate themselves about not only um, the ramifications, financial ramifications for the state and the tax revenue that's coming in, but also the potential issues uh, that may flow. Look, I'm, I'm an assistant attorney general, and I'm always thinking from a, a, a consumer protection standpoint. And so education uh, by everybody involved, I think is going to help qu help quell uh, some of those issues that people think are going to come with iGaming. Uh, I don't think it's any different than any other uh, form of gaming in that, yes, of course, you're going to have a small percentage of individuals who cannot do it responsibly, but how we deal with those issues are more important. Amen to that. We're hitting the home straight of this podcast. So I will sound out Chris's views on the LSU Tigers. So as of the day of our filming, they rank 16 nationally. They've slipped a little bit lately as a result of a couple of defeats, but still very, very respectable. So Chris, sure. the question for you is, how far do you think the Tigers can go this season? Well, look, let me clear one thing up first, Martin. I am, look, I love Louisiana. I am not a New Orleans Saints fan. And I, look, I take a lot of grief for this, but I am a, am a Dallas Cowboy fan. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to age myself here by saying I've been a Cowboys fan since 1977 because of the great Tony Dorsett, uh, who's their, their running back, who, by the way, and I call this the, the greatest sports day of my life. Uh, when LSU won the national championship in 2019, I had the pleasure of meeting and taking a picture with Tony Dorsett uh, in the Superdome on that date so uh, look greatest day of my life but to my tigers i am not a fan i am a fanatic i am an alum and look lsu was actually picked to to um land at the bottom of the the sec west this year as everybody knows we have a a, a new coach coach kelly who came over from notre dame uh and i would i deem this season a success um because 
we beat Alabama, which, uh, you know, by all accounts is the litmus test of college football. Uh, if you beat the great Nick Saban, you've had a, a successful season. I don't care what else happens. Uh, and we won the SEC West, which nobody predict, predicted us to do. You know, we live in the new era of, you know, NIL deals and, and the transport portal. And LSU lost quite a few uh, star players to the portal um, prior to uh, this season. Now, we did have a couple of slip-ups. I was at the uh, Georgia Dome for the SEC Championship when Georgia put a pretty good spanking on us. Um, but, you know, we're going to a bowl game. We're, you know, we're going to play Purdue in Orlando uh, next month. And I think the, the season has been a success for LSU. And I'm very excited about the future. Now coming to the very business end of this podcast, it's usually rather unfair, but I will Griff, give rather Chris his 60 seconds to shine even more and convey his key messages. I will be taking over as head of the Problem Gaming's Advisory Council and very excited uh, to, that you will be uh, on the council as well. Um, but one of the things that I am really going to focus on uh, along with Keith White is to get our regulators involved. Um, we do not have enough uh, regulatory representation uh, in that organization. Our regulators really have to step out of the traditional roles from the 90s and become more involved in the areas of responsible gambling and problem gambling. Um, we are the ones who write rules. We are the ones who can hold our stakeholders feet to the fire, operators feet to the fire in taking seriously um, responsible gaming. Um, and, and putting in restrictions and things like that. iGaming is a perfect example of that. We, have, we don't have it yet, so we haven't written our rules yet. But if our regulators are not aware of some of the issues as it relates to responsible gaming and are only focused on, you know, how our operators are, are running their slot machines, for instance, or how much tax revenue is coming in, then I think we miss a real opportunity um, to, to do some really great things in those areas. Again, consumer protection is, is where my heart is uh, when it comes to these issues. And we are in a, a we, are in, we are almost like a, a hub, if you will, uh, between our consumers and our operators uh, to be able to make sure that those in our society who need to hear certain messages are receiving them. And so my challenge to all of our regulators, not only in the United States, but worldwide, is to become more involved in the area of responsible gaming. Chris A. Bear from Baton Rouge, what a regulator, what a man. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the latest episode of my Safe Bet Show. My name is Martin Lechka, and I shall see you next time. Thank you very much.